and welcome to the latest installment of the Our History Podcast. Wayne Johnston, aka The Dominator, is a legend of the Carlton Football Club. He is the only footballer to have played for the Blues in all four of the 1979, 81, 82 and 87 premierships. This week, Wayne Johnston was inducted into the Australian Football Hall of Fame. Carlton Football Club journalist and historian Tony DeBolfo sat down with Wayne to talk about the accolade and reflect on his football career. In a very special instalment of the Our History podcast, we relay that interview to you now. This is Our History, Wayne Johnston. To all Blue Believers, welcome to this very special podcast recorded here at the Carlton Football Club. It's my pleasure and rare privilege to welcome to the microphone a man widely regarded as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, finals players ever to grace the field, one who truly made the month of September his very own. That he never secured the Norm Smith medal remains one of football's great mysteries, but the Dominator will doubtless settle for the four premierships and the two club best and fairest that came his way in 209 senior appearances through Carlton's halcyon years of the 1970s and 1980s. A three-time Victorian and All-Australian player, Wayne was inducted into the Carlton Hall of Fame in 1991. By decade's end, he was named on a half-forward flank in the club's team of the century and is one of an elite group of just 12 players so far named as legends of the Carlton Football Club. Perhaps David Parkin put it best when he said of the famous number seven, he had an enormous capacity to pump himself up and get the best out of himself when it mattered. He had a fire in his belly, a passion for the contest like few other players. Recently named at number eight in Carlton's top 150 players of all time, a top 10 that includes Nichols, Kernahan, Jezelenko, Duell and Stephen Silvani, Wayne has just been inducted into the Australian Rules Football Exalted Hall of Fame, an honour long overdue but nevertheless welcomed by all who remember Wayne Johnson at his tearaway best. Wayne Johnson, welcome back to the Carlton Football Club. Thanks, Tone. Thank you very much. Now, you're the 21st Carlton player to be inducted into the Hall, three of whom, Barassi, Jezelenko and John Nichols, have been elevated to legend status. Mm. Where does your elevation to the Hall of Fame sit with everything else you've achieved in the game? Um, <clears throat> interesting. Um, you're asking me this now. It's, 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 it certainly adds something to certainly adds some, to, to, to the pinnacle of my career, I suppose, as a footballer. But as a footballer, I finished playing a long time ago. But this, I suppose, is the icing on the cake to say the least. But all in all, too, people have to, and people do understand this thing, I was very much a Carlton player. I was a Carlton boy. I wasn't so much a state player or international rules player or things like that. I was really wanted to be a Carlton player. And that was the way I was most of my life. But uh, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame and to be the 21st Carlton player to, to represent our club in the Hall of Fame is a great honour in itself. And obviously the well, to the AFL, the VFL slash AFL, it's an honour to be a part of, of their uh, hierarchy. Now, Wayne, um, it's been well documented that, you know, you were, um, uh, I guess, seconded to the big time from Wanda in the Yarra Valley, but you mentioned to me off here a little earlier that you actually grew up in Coburg, uh, which is actually <coughs> pretty much a Carlton heartland. Yeah, well, I was lucky. The two Carlton, Carlton well, Coburg it was a Carlton heartland, and Wandon, on one side, well, one side of Beresford Road was... Uh, uh, Footscray, and the other side was uh, Carlton. So luckily I was on the right-hand side on, on the way out, or on the left-hand side on the way in, and um, I, was a, I was a Carlton player, and um, I, was, um, I was actually asked to go to the... Um, I, I tried out here at Princess Park, I can't remember the year, 
Russell Olsen, I think, was, was captain of the under-19s or was the, the leading player. I came down with a good friend of mine, Paul Hunter, who actually played very, very well in that practice match. I played terribly. Paul, unfortunately, did his ankle and didn't play much football after that. And uh, I got the flick and uh, was left back to go and play at Wandon. And, uh, yeah, stayed up there and uh, ended up playing. I, I actually captained the club's first ever premiership at Wandon in any age group or division. So, in other words, they'd never had a senior premiership, never had a junior premiership. And I'm still trying to remember the year. So that's about 1972 or 73. No, 1973, I think it was, under 15s of a Wandon. So captain that one and then uh, went on to play some senior footy up there at the age of uh, 15 and 16. So you're on the wall of Wandon just as I am at Wirree Alec, mate, uh, one of your arch enemies because yeah, I well, played well, you, under, under 17 premierships here in 79. So. Well, you blokes were a first division, mate. But actually, you were first division Yarra Valley. When we won our premiership, we were third division EDFL. Right. And we're only up the road from you, yeah, from okay. the Windy Mile. We're up the road. Yeah. It's a lovely area. Yeah, it's, a, the yeah, it's a beautiful area. It's an amazing area today. To look at it now, you wouldn't recognise it. No, very true. Wayne, can you talk <clears> a little bit about your early years, your family life, um, growing up, your early influences, and, and do you actually recall your first memory of kicking a footy? Well, I, I suppose it would be, have to be in Coburg. You know, Tonkin Avenue is where we lived. Um, our backyard sort of uh, ran into another couple of other people's backyards in Coburg. Where we sort of were well, a rectangular up backyard, and there'd be three other houses on around the other corner, which I think was Lincoln Avenue or Rodney Avenue. I can't remember which one at the time. Probably Rodney Avenue, we'll say. And um, the Laker family, Kenny and Peter Laker, their mum Edith, uh, they they lived there, and uh, they kept picking their football over into my yard, and I kept picking it back over. <laughs> And uh, they were mad Collingwood supporters. And in the end, they invited me around to have a kick, kick of the footy. And uh, hence then come the, the street footy on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. Mainly a Sunday afternoon. It'd be up to 20 kids playing. It'd be a full-on match. Full-on. Were you always a, <clears throat> a glorious kick on the left or did you have to work at it? Well, it's the only one I had. <laughs> <laughs> I was basically a left footer. A lot of the other boys had, uh, they were quite ambidextrous with their, their left and right. I could kick right, <coughs> but uh, just left footers tended, in that, especially in those days, they just tended to be more exaggerated in a sense, I suppose. They, are, they would arc out or they'd bring the ball back in and you seem to go the other way to the other people, which make, pretty much makes sense with me. Isn't it a shame now that really um, the circumstance doesn't allow kids to have a kick on the street? You know, in those days it was a Yes. Game. It doesn't happen now. I think, um, look, it's my, my young son Darcy's at... Uh, primary school now and it's not often they get to uh, play football because of the OHS issues that are involved about it which is a bit of a shame but um I suppose you know, they're, they're, it's a changing of the changing of the guard change of times very true yes what prompted the relocation to Wanda? I think um mum and dad wanted me to get me out of Melbourne um you know, I was I was I went to St Mark's in Faulkner I went to uh St Mary's in um in Thornbury I think they just wanted to get out of Melbourne and have a change. Um, Dad's father was in both world wars. His, his two brothers were in the Second World War. Dad didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, he was a bit too young to actually go. So I, I think uh, that those are, that were tough years for, you know, for, for the family and that. Pop was always in the repat. And I think it was, you know, they just wanted to get out of Melbourne and we ended up going to, well, of all places, wandering. I don't know in God's name why that. You, know, you have to understand, I was adopted and I still ask Mum why they named me Wayne. 
because I sort of thought there's a number of other names that could have been up for option, but uh, <laughs> but you've got to wear that. So, but no, we went up to um, we went to Wandon for that reason, just I think just to get out of Melbourne. And Mum and Dad bought a house just on the outskirts of um, of Wandon, actually. Mm. Did you ever you talked about your family? Did you ever pursue um, you know who your biological father was? Did you... Uh, my bo- yeah, we did actually. Uh, my mother was uh, named Geraldine Kelly. My real name is Jonathan Michael Kelly. I think most people know that. It was in my book. Um, my father was a transit European, as on the birth certificate, and uh, and then we don't know who he is. Never, no, never got to meet my mother either. Is that something that cuts deep with you, or did you find that your stepfather was a really great influence on your life? Well, yeah, I don't really call him my stepfather. Uh, my father, my fa- mother and father—they're the only ones I know. And that's it's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, like, a, um, yeah, it's the only one, it's only, only parents I've known. So it's it's just pretty simple. It's just like any other mother and father to me. And uh, with great sadness, that I asked this question, that you you lost your father in traumatic circumstances yeah, only recently. Passed away on March the eighth, two thousand eighteen, this year. He was hit by a car. It was, yeah, it was very tragic, and uh, yeah, it was it wasn't a nice day, but uh, it's been done and dusted, and. Uh, yeah, mum's uh, mum's still surviving, and uh, my sisters are there to support them. And uh, yeah, were, were you an only child? Did you have brothers and sisters? Or I was an only child. My mother, <coughs> she had she was one of the few ladies to have. I think she was inserted with an artificial womb or something to that nature. Um, I'd have to verify that with her, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And she was able to have children uh, on her own later. Um, she had Donna 10 years after me and Nadine 15 years after myself. Uh, she'd obviously had um, a couple of failed pregnancies prior to that, hence the, the adoption. So what did it mean to you to have members of the family there for your induction into the, into the hall? Well, yes, well, it's uh, pre- pretty outstanding, really. They only let 12 in, so... <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, the only one missing will be my, my son, Matt, who passed away. Uh, in June uh, 1999, and uh, but he, uh, he'll be with us on the night. Oh, sorry, he was with us on the night, I should say, and um, you know we'll celebrate for him. You were recruited, as we know, from VFA, VFA Club Paran in '75. But we, we we should talk a little bit about your time at Paran because that was that was a great period of, of your football career. You you seem to pretty much find your feet from the outset. Uh, I mean, you played six nine games, I think, for the two Blues. Yes, 173 goals, and, and you started in the in the, um, in the premiership uh, of '78, uh, I think it was, yes. won by your club. Yes, uh, and you also featured in the top three in the BNF. So it, mm. it really clicked for you pretty much from the outset. You know, wh- why were you able to settle in so well, a, a kid from the bush? Mm. <coughs> well, I'd kicked 100 goals in, uh, up in the Arrow Valley for Wandon in, in my f- first senior year, and. Um, that, hence, that's when Don Kiddo, who was a, he wasn't coaching at the time, but he was an ex Melbourne player, played in Melbourne in the fifties. Didn't make the senior squads in the fifties, but pretty hard. They only won five out of six, <laughs> and then went to Oakley, and I believe he was run up in a Liston Trophy. And Donnie was uh, it's an archer, it was an engineer, he was an elite uh, amateur boxer, but just an absolute gentleman. And he steered me to Oakley at first, and I, obviously I went for a tryout at Oakley, and I. Um, I just didn't, I didn't make it. They didn't select me. I, I kicked seven and a half a game in a trial match with the under-19s. And Ed Robinson, the, uh, the Carlton wingman, or triple, triple premiership player, I assume he would be, uh, gave me the flick, which is OK. So we've got two Rovers here, Charlie Pagnocolo and Lou Tessarero, who actually ended up playing at Wandon. And um, 
Hence, uh, then Don Kiddo you know, flipped over the next page and uh, sent me to Pran. He had some friends there. And there I met uh, John Townsend, uh, the 64 best and first winner in the Premiership here for Melbourne. And uh, he certainly helped me with my career. He got, he got my career underway. You also played under Dick Clay and then later Mick Irwin in that Premiership year. And yes. You've cited Mick Irwin as one of the great influences. What was it about Mick that made such an impression? Well, the fact is I was leaving Pran at the end of the 77 season. I'd made, made it very clear that I was leaving. I was going back to either Wurrielic or Bayswater. Um, obviously, they're both first division clubs in their respective competitions. And I was going back for a whole, I think it was about 70 bucks a week, which is a lot of money in those days. It was double what we were getting at, <laughs> <coughs> down at Paran. And, um, and Dad got me a job at uh, Kenworth. I was just doing some clerical work at Kenworth there on Canterbury Road, Bayswater. They're still there today. And, um, and this bloody Mick Irwin just kept driving me mad. He'd, he'd come in as a new coach and changed a lot of things evidently. And um, Geelong West had won the premiership in 77 and he just, he just kept hounding me. It was unbelievable. It was like a, you know, like a bad wife. And just kept going, Mick. And uh, in the end, uh, he got me to come back. And uh, he, he, look, he added some skill sets to my, my game style that really suited me. I think I may have had my first handball and first tackle in history in, in, in his reign as a coach. And uh, we played Geelong West first game, I kicked nine. So it wasn't a bad start. Not a bad start. Just backtracking for a minute, what posse did you play in at Wanda when you kicked the tarp? Uh Rover, really? uh, Ford Pocket, yeah. Really? Unbelievable. So you talk about um, the, your time at, at uh, Paran, and, but you mentioned, you know, Wurri Alec and I think Bayswater, you said. Yeah. So... League footy wasn't <coughs> on the radar. No, you think no, the moment had gone? Uh, look, the amazing thing was, um, uh, the best man at my wedding was Stephen Kent. He played a Pran. Peter Lowe was uh, of Drumsland. He, he, he played a Pran. Uh, yeah, people have to understand, Sunday footy was pretty pretty good stuff. Uh, you have to understand, too, like, I, for me to get there, I didn't have a licence. I, I didn't have a car. Mm. I was too young at one stage. Yeah, so I was catching a bus to the Little Station Train to, to from the Little Station to Richmond, a train to Richmond to Turak, walk to the ground, and that was a home game, mind you. Uh, and then obviously uh, we had a great social active uh, social club at uh, Paran, still the same today. It's a, it's a really great facility, and hence you had to had to get the train on the way back home. And they weren't running that late in those days. And then the hardest part was once I got to. Lilydale Station was just hoping Dad would be there to pick me up. If not, I was in a lot of trouble. I was at the walk six miles home, which more, more often than not I did. How and lucky was Parade? <laughs> yeah, someone could have tell you. I finally got somebody to drive me home after a while. It was good. <laughs> so it's, I guess at this juncture that, you know, there was talk of that maybe you were going to go to Melbourne and then there was Carlton were obviously thereabouts. What actually happened, Wayne? What happened was that um, obviously there was an influence. There was no... There's no conversation really with Melbourne whatsoever, um, but there's a continuation of players coming from Melbourne to Paran. Kenny Emsel, John Townsend, Doc Sinclair, and so on. There's quite a few, and then a couple of others I, I, I can't even remember. Uh, Roddy Payne, I think, was at Melbourne too for a while. So there, there was that sort of uh, relationship. But um, then a gentleman, by the name, well, I think people watched that the eight, the '78 Grand Final. It was a pretty, pretty big, pretty brutal Grand Final. And, I thought it was probably one of my best performances that I'd ever put in. And um, I think that, that was recognised uh, by Melbourne. 
And they, they sort of hunted me. So Reuben Binkle, who sat on the board, I think, at, um, at Melbourne, and Jack Craypot, who was a solicitor. And uh, they became my management, actually. And in the end, they, um, they approached Carlton and, and obviously, I think the, the board at the time said, look, you need to speak to Jezza because he'd taken, only just taken over as coach. And, you know, Jezza, man of very few words, oh, I'm not clearing anybody till I see him play. So hence, two weeks later, they, they pick, I said, uh, Wayne, you know, we've got a practice match coming up. We want, we'd like you to be available. I said, okay. Well, I didn't get picked in the senior team to play because the senior team played amongst each other. I didn't make the reserves versus the rest. Didn't make that side either. And they'd put me under, in the under-19s. And you've got to remember, I was 21 and three months old. So it didn't look like I was, my career was really going to take off at Carlton when I'm playing an under-19 game and I'm 21 and three months old. Hence, um, to Dennis Collins, who was being uh, transferred from um, uh, the Bulldogs, to, uh, to Carlton, but his Form 4 form four hadn't been completed, so he couldn't even play in the practice match. That was one of those stringent rules. I think Ashman was actually going to North Melbourne at the same time, same, same, same thing, so it enabled me to slip into the senior team that day out here on number one oval and kick four or five goals. Is it right that Phil Cleary was your director? No, nah, I, right? I can't work that one out. Now, I got asked that the other day by Jared Waitley, and, <laughs> and to, to this moment, I can, I'm still trying to work out, because... I know Phil pretty well. I'm pretty sure he would have reminded me. But, uh, no, I played on Jezza, actually. Uh, but he wasn't. I mean, Jezza was coaching and he was, he was just in another world. I kicked, kicked four or five goals. You can say he kicked them on Jezzelenko because it sounds pretty bloody good. But uh, I, I think he was more interested in the coaching side of it. Uh, if Phil was there, I, I can't remember. But uh, then I played on Mark Kerr the next week, who's uh, Laurie Kerr's, one of Laurie Kerr's sons and Peter's uh, brother. And, of course, then um, I was lucky enough to uh, get selected. They went up and played a game up in... Um, sorry, we, we went over to Perth and played South Fremantle over there, I think. And then um, then we played a game against Hawthorne here, uh, just before the start, of the start of the season. So I had good form coming in. Jeez, I'd seen enough. Yeah, I, I, I had, look, I'd had really good form. And, uh, you know, I got to play my first game against Neil Danaher, round one. Uh, 1979, not round three as they have in Wikipedia, so they need to get that right. So we have to get somebody to change the pages in the, on the computer page. Um, just backtracking a little bit, were you uh, residentially tied to Carlton, or what, what was the connection? Why, why did you have the link here? You, one, there was a time, I think, it used to be place of birth. And so, because people were starting to shift around and to move into areas so that you could be a a certain, certain player, so, but I, I, I hadn't really played any footy, so I don't think I was a person of interest. But it just happened that the two places I lived, Coburg and Wandon, were, um, were actually under the domain of, of, of the zoning of the Carlton Football Club. So when you look at it, Wayne, fate, I mean, things happen for a reason, but, geez, it, how, timing's everything, isn't it? How well it, is. it worked out? Oh, look, it's, you've got no document to... You know, from Mick Irwin, if Mick Irwin doesn't make a phone call... I'm at Woolrealic, yeah. and I'm still there now. Yeah, you know, yeah. In, in a sense, but he doesn't make that phone call. So you are right. I mean, you can call it what you like. You, uh, can you say luck? I don't know whether it's luck. It was, it was fate. Uh, luck is a bit of rubbish sometimes. It, uh, it was fate. And it was hard, a lot of hard work from then on. Once once we got back to it, it was hard work. What were your first impressions of the Carlton Football Club in Princess Park? Interesting. Um, 
I was in awe of the place. I mean, when I, when I well, the first couple of people I, I saw, I saw Jim Buckley, uh, Wayne Harms, Ken Sheldon, Peter Francis, several other players, and uh, you know they, they'd already played numerous seasons. Hence, which you know, I'd not played an AFL game, and yet I'm four to five years older than them. So that that was that was probably one of the reasons why I was hesitant to actually come to the club, because I thought their their smaller type players were better than I was now. Anyway, so what good was I going to be to that to that uh, club? Hence, yeah, here we go. But then I run into Trevor Keogh and Barry Armstrong, and Trevor actually followed Peran in the VFA, and he just said, "No, mate, I've seen you play. You'll be a great, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be a great ad for our club." and uh, and he said, our biggest problem in our club is we, we have trouble against a, you know, a really pumped up Richmond team, which I thought it would have been Collingwood. Carlton was the main rivalry. And they had Richmond on the brain. And obviously I look back through the history because I'm a Geelong supporter and Richmond beat us in 67. They beat Carlton in 69. They beat Carlton in 73. They beat Carlton in 80. I mean, it's, I can see the history now. I look back. You, uh, you know, immerse yourself in a club with great list of players, you know, and a, and a yes. power club in, in Melbourne. But you would talk so fondly of, of your uh, grand final in, in 78 with Peran. Yes. Big occasion, Wayne. What was it about the big occasion that brought the best out of you? Well, I, sort of, I like to ask people the question, why wouldn't it? Because I don't know why people would want to crumble under, under that atmosphere when you've got an opportunity of a lifetime to stand up for yourself. So I just tried to put my best foot forward. I trusted the game plan of the coaches. I trusted my coaches. I trusted the, the players around me, especially, I mean, the 78 team of Pran, the 79 team of Carlton, was like, probably, probably that indoctrinated me into a system of trust, trusting the players that I was with, because they were faultless in terms of their ability to support you. You know, you're not going to play well every game. You're not going to play well every instance, but... Um, yeah, the, those two groups of people and those and that and those selective coaches and people around it and support staff, quite quite phenomenal to be honest. And then at Carlton, they just kept going on you know, the Parker era, and so on and so on. I've heard Wayne Harms talk of '79 as a, as a premiership that was probably one on fear. You know, the fear of you know not performing through the year and being put put through the third degree by Alex on the track here. Yeah, Al- is Al- it a Al- fair Alex, observation? Yeah, Alex didn't train, but. Um, it was. We, we, there was a fear factor because when we lost, we lost, we lost two games during the year, or three games during the year, but we, two of them we lost one by a point. It was probably my best game for the year, so I felt a bit unhappy about having it flogged the next night, but still on the Tuesday night. It was against Geelong, and then we got beaten once by um, North Melbourne, I believe. I didn't play that day. And um, then we got beaten by Collingwood, but we'd rested players. That was towards the end of the year. And players were rested. I think we had a losing aggregate score of 21 points for the year. Pretty phenomenal. Um, yet, you know, we went to the grand final. We didn't, didn't kick a goal for 45 minutes. So we did bloody well to get out of it and win the damn thing. And uh, the Pies did very well, possibly with a... I don't think they were the, the better team on the day, but they let, you know, they led for a fair part of the day. And uh, we pulled them back pretty quick just before half time, and then went on to win a good premiership, and it was tough. And we did lose players too during that game. We lost Jones had broken an ankle, basically. Jezelenko wasn't right. So, yeah, things happen. What, what do you, what's your overriding memory of that experience, Wayne? Do you remember running out for the first time onto the MCG? What, what, what are your overriding memories? 
Well, I actually went out to the Richmond nightclub the night before, the night before, and on Friday night, my it's girlfriend, and that's true, true, true story. But I mean, I only went there because she was going there. And I, I didn't have a drink. I wasn't really a great drinker, anyway. And um, I stayed there for a while. Then um, took her home. I, I just went home back to my place and then watched the uh, movie marathons, the the football, the, the football marathons, and. Um, then just fell asleep, woke up, and uh, went to the MCG with 19 tickets still in my pocket because uh, I, I had no one to get rid of them to because people up the country, they, they didn't want to come down. Too, I think it was 100, 110,000 people, there, 112,000 people. And um, you wouldn't believe you'd have plenty of tickets left, would you? But I went and watched uh, the under-19s under, under play a bit because uh, the Carlton, David Glasgow played on that side. Mm. And then obviously the, the big one was, was Ashman going to play or was Jones going to play? And Jones had actually hurt his ankle, you know, previously, and uh, and Ashman was ready to play. I thought they would have played Ashman for sure, but uh, it went the other way. It went the other way, yeah. Yeah, it went the other way. Now the '79 Grand Final one was your twentieth game, but you were also twenty-one at that stage. Yes. Did the late introduction to league football actually work in your favour? I've got no doubt it did. I, I just think the senior look. I played senior footy up at Wandering at the age of 14, 15 and sixteen. And yeah, make sure, no, make no mistakes. It's not something you say proudly, but I, I you, you used to get whacked. It's, it's, it's not a nice thing to say, but you used to get whacked. I could king it, you know, 16 years of age playing you know, senior football up at Yarra Valley. So it's not a great thing to happen. And um, then you go to the VFA. They don't worry about, didn't worry about king it. They just hit you. So <laughs> it was just, it was just tough and different footy. And and then then the by, by 78 the VFA. Well, it was, it was very hard. It was rough and tough. I think at my, my last game, the third quarter went for 44 minutes and there was 14 reports and they had to fix the VFA up a little bit. But in, in the, so the process of stepping across the border, so to speak, to the VFL, the physicality side of it wasn't the issue. It was the level of skill and the, le- uh, the level of technical excellence that you had and, and the knowledge of, of, the, of the game of the VFL. That was it. And so I was able to, thanks to Mick Irwin, really, and then to, to run into people like Lofsey and Kevin Hall and those guys on the committee, you know, and, and then the Keos, Armstrongs, McClure's, you know, the, the smart players of this football club, uh, you know, they indoctrinated a, a you know, sense of uh, understanding of how they wanted me to play football at Carlton. Now, the last bottle of celebratory champagne had barely been cracked and suddenly there's a political upheaval here at Carlton. You know, Harris, the president of the club, is ousted and Jezza goes with him. In comes Ian Rice and Peter Jones. Do you remember, you know, the impact on the place and, and, and yes. did the players have a, a role or in, in that, uh, in the machinations of that? Funny you should say that. I was talking to Perth a month and a half ago, two months ago. I, I spoke at a function at, at, at the pub he's at. And <clears throat> I, I was upset <clears throat> because you've got to understand, I, the one thing I wasn't trained to do or wasn't prepared to understand was not to be loyal. And... Uh, I didn't know much about George Harris or Alex Jezelenko in terms of their day-to-day character. All this, I, was, I, was, you know, I love, I love Jez and we just won a premiership and we got a president who, who just conjured up a premiership and I just felt, what was, what's going on? What's wrong? I mean, I felt like we'd been robbed. Someone had come in the front door and gone out the back door. And so it was difficult to, to ascertain and then obviously they had to make, make changes. Obviously a new president with Ian Rice, I believe, and then Purse as a coach. And it was just a, it was an awful way to start a year. I doubt whether anyone could, could start a year under that sort of pressure. 
and even performed to the to the ability that we did. Mm. To be honest. So it's perhaps an unfair comment that's made sometimes that you know that had there not been. Uh, an upheaval, it may have been four on the trot, but Perth came in under a fair degree of Well, look, look Perth did, and also, too, he'd never coached before. Never coached before. Um, he's a different character. I think we turned over the lowest... Uh, I mean, you can't, you can't talk about today's football, but we turned over the least amount of footballers ever in the club's history during those, those types of days in the VFL. And we went into the finals with a lot of injuries. Yeah. A lot of injuries. A pair of it was out, Young was out, I think McCombo was injured, I was injured. And it was going to make it very hard. I actually played both finals injured. It was ridiculous. I was injured. I, I, I had my knee shot up every game. And, and yet you had a good season. I think you kicked yeah. 51 goals. Yeah, I kicked year. 51, but yeah. I was shot. I was yeah. shot from round one. I kicked seven in round one, but the knee, knee was gone. That was a famous game at Victoria Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the 1500 off Malcolm Fraser and shared it with the players, and he didn't appreciate that, so I, they gave me another 1500 later. So that was okay. I appreciated that, I can tell you. <laughs> Now, <coughs> 81, the eve of the 81 season, obviously, you know, the Hawthorne Blakers purse calls yes. and David Parkin was appointed. Um, but your season was delayed, if I recall, that year you, you, with injury. Yes, um, that, was from that, that was from the knee from the previous year. And look, the regret is now, that, and that, this is what I, I just spoke about in the book, and you've got it is like Caroline Wilson, want to write out that you're a drug addict or something. All I just said was, you know, to take painkillers, to take painkillers and to have injections just to play football and not rectify the problem is really the problem itself. And I'd had over 100, 150 needles that year in that, just that knee alone, just to get me to play, draining it uh, two or three times a week and then injecting it with Marcane, which is a painkiller. And um, you know, people take it the wrong way. Yeah. But you know, then you can see why people do get affected later in life and not so, not so much joints, but you can also be dependent upon having that sort of stuff, and it took a long time for me to wean that off. So you've been through all that and you believe yes. you're through all that? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Too old for anything now, mate. <laughs> um, you recall um, what Parkin actually brought to the group? Well, yeah, he, he, his first meeting with me, I'd actually put on a bit of weight over the summer because the first operation didn't work because I went out and played bloody tennis and re-hurt the knee. And I think I was 90... 91 kilos or something, something like that. And he said, if you don't get back to 79, uh, back to 80, what was it? about 79 or 80 kilos, he said, you won't be playing football for this club. I got back to 74.4 pretty quick. So I got fit. We went over for a pre-season training camp to Thailand. So that's called a wake-up call. Yeah, yeah, a tap on the shoulder, so to speak. But then again, I, I've given David a few phone calls early in the morning from a nightclub and whatever. So, yeah, those things have all happened. Now, Parkin obviously was a, a teetotaler, and yet he, he understood his group who were, you know, <coughs> there, were, there were some hard players in that team, but he, under, he understood the group and he did give them uh, a little licence? Not too sure about that. Um, he blood tested a few of us at uh, training sessions. He was to take, you know, take <laughs> blood tests and I think he was pretty mortified of the results. Um, I'm just trying to think. Um, I don't even think... I don't think even 0.05 or 0.08. I don't think that was even in vogue. No, it certainly wasn't around in 79, 80. Might have been after that. But um, yeah, D- Dave was mortified. I think he used to go and... Because I don't think he even knew what a pub was, David. But he, he, he found about Norton's and he found about the Fenwick. He found out about whatever else. And he kept going. Then we just kept going to different pubs. 
on different days and different nights. And he certainly didn't know where the nightclubs were, so they had him stuffed. <laughs> so in saying that, though, Wayne, it's fair to say that the group of players in which you were, of which you were part, um, they drove each other. Like, you know, there was yeah. a... Yeah. I, you got to look. We, we, we weren't, I mean, apart from the, the, the obviously the weekend gallivanting around, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what we did in those days. People forget, you know, you're up at six or seven in the morning going to work. Yeah. You know, then, you, then you're coming into training. When I was captain, I'm on match committee. I've got five kids at home. I'm not, uh, I'm not seeing anyone. Uh, it wasn't that easy. And uh, they just think, oh, yeah, the party boys at Carlton. But uh, we trained hard. We trained hard. We were, we were, look, we had an elite group over a period of, I, I, I don't think there's been many better sides than us over, over that four-year period ever in the history of the game. And, yeah, we would stand up against any of the others. And uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe the upheaval in, in one sense took away a bit of the... Uh, the upheaval itself took, took away a lot of our excellence because um, we still finished second on the ladder the previous year. And we went out in straight sets. That's what, that's what didn't do us any good. No. When you talk about that core of 40 players, those great mm. players that represented the Count Football Club of that period... You know, is Bruce Dool top of the tree? Can can you talk a little bit about Bruce Dool? Well, I, I, I've got two pretty much. Um, Bruce is one, and Bradley's the other. Um, yeah, God, God, how many games they play together? Seven hundred, seven hundred and something. And, uh, and to me, longevity is the key. It's not about. I mean, I, you know, I, I saw Bazzastos first; he was amazing, but then it fell away a bit. Yeah, not to say he wasn't still a great player, but it fell away substantially. Um, you know, and. Uh, those two just kept. I mean, Bradley would get Taggers, Duel would get Royce Hart. <laughs> you know, they just played on the very best players, and they just continued. And I'd retired, and I thought, Jesus, Bradley, when's you, when you going to give it away? And I was still, he still had another year up his sleeve, I think. Mm. I reckon he had another year up his sleeve, but Pagan, I think Pagan might have given him the sack, which is disappointing. But they're the two best, and Bruce, Bruce was great because um, I used to play on Bruce in the practice matches and. Used to have the silly practice match out here at training one night. You know, I play on Bruce a lot. wasn't that enjoyable, but I used to play on him a lot. Yeah. Um, not many people could say that they know Bruce still, but you, you, did you feel that you got to know yeah. him? Really? Yeah, no, I got on very well with uh, Bruce. Yeah, what sort well. of personality then? Oh, mate. Well, well, he didn't say a lot, but uh, on the football field, he was very good, um, and he was very predictable. He was doing the, you know, the little dink kicks and the over-the-top handballs and the shepherds and the run-ons. and He's a modern-day footballer playing in the bloody 70s. You know, like, geez, he, he would have loved... You know, he, 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 I was just surprised he retired in 86. I could see why, because it, it was a pretty dirty day. But you've got to remember, the best three in our best and fairest year, Bradley, myself and Blackwell, were all injured in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, knee, broken hand, and... Uh, and um, Blackwell was concussed. It's not a nice way to start the grand final. We would, make no mistake, we wouldn't have won. But I, I don't think it helped Bruce, you know. And then they, the, the back half got a hammering. Mm. And make, make no mistake, he would have made the 87 team. Mm. Always remember that image of Bruce walking off, you know, too proud yeah. to be carried off. Yes. Just walk up, he's so disappointed. However. Um, 80, 81, um, you, you obviously atoned for the disappointment of straight sets going out in 1980. Thumpy yep. um, went over the Geelong, I think, in the second semi. Yes. And then 81 grand final, yep. um, you involved an incident with Gabby Allen. What, what happened there? She's a good man. I was talking to Gabby. I was with Gabby on the weekend having a cup of tea because we, we go to the Ammos and watch the old Zabs. Good parade he's, boy. He's son, Mar- he's son Marcus works with us. Yes. Uh, work, works with my son, uh, son's co 
our family company. Um, yeah, no, look, it was... Uh, Gubby was holding on, and uh, those bloody umpires, I think it might have been Deller and Smith, they, they, I just hung on to it, hung on, hung on, hung on, and they just, they just wouldn't pay a free kick, and I'm running on open goal, I've got, I've got one arm, I'm trying to reach the ball, and they, they let it go, and... Um, in any, they held on to me again at a stoppage or a boundary throw, and I just threw the arm back. And actually, hit, I think he hit Gub on the chin, and he sort of, uh, yeah, he was a bit, he was a bit crook. And um, I think, uh, yeah, Hafey Hafey brought him down at three quarter time, all wrapped up in bandages. And I think half of the uh, Collingwood uh, players crapped themselves because ten of them didn't touch the ball in the last quarter. Mm-hmm. Ten of them didn't touch the ball, and I think only two or three of them had over three three touches. They went from Halfway through the third quarter, being 20-something points up to getting beaten by 20-something points. I bumped into Gabby Allen myself recently, Wayne, and he's, he, when you re- remind him of 81, he always said, yeah, well, you blokes were drinking champagne out of a, a premiership cup. I was in St Vincent's drinking a bottle of milk out of a straw. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't visit him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that last quarter of, of the 81 grand final, were you always confident the last change that you were going to overrun them? Um, interesting. But pa- this, is, this is where Parker was brilliant. He came running out and he said, they're gone. They're gone. Now, I can remember Buckley and Ashman kicking late goals in the third quarter. And I felt, I felt okay. Because it's funny, you, you played in a premiership in 79. What happened in 80? And you go, oh, well, if you don't win one in 81, it's not that bad a thing. And I'm going, bullshit now. Because there's 115,000 there this day. And, um, yeah, p- parking good. He... he he psychologically changed their whole structure. He just came out and said, they are gone. Have a look at them. They are gone. Uh, we'll run over this team. And away we went. And uh, as a group, Sheldon had a great last quarter. Fitzpatrick played well. Dill played well. Uh, Ashton played a great last quarter. You know, the whole team really played a great last quarter. And we, we won that game. It was a good victory. It wasn't a great game. By any stretch of the imagination, it was not a great game for some reason. And... Uh, but nonetheless, you'll, we'll take that win. So in 82, Wayne, yeah. uh, back-to-back, uh, and in one of the great grand finals, it has to be said, um, there was a bit going on that game. Uh, you know, that early start, the three goals in those opening three minutes, you got the first one yes. on the board. And, and uh, was, was that a focus made pre-match? Did we, get, we jump Richmond here and we're, we're going a long way to winning this game? Well, I, was, um, I would always... Um, I was, if it was at Carlton, I'd be hopping in the sauna at Carlton before the game just to go through my non-negotiables and sort of meditate a little bit about what I wanted to do. And uh, we're in the Richmond rooms and Sellers comes into my area, which is the, the sauna at the Richmond rooms before the grand final. He goes, how do you think we'll go? I said, I really believe that we need to, um, you know, to get the, this mob early. I said, they've opened the door by not picking Taylor because we'd lost Southby and Austin. And why on earth Francis Burt didn't pick Brian Taylor? I just thought that was our in, a big in. And uh, Satori on Glasgow, but I felt that would have no impact whatsoever, and it didn't. So I just said, now, if we can get off to a flyer, I think we can win. What do you reckon? He says, no, I don't think we can win. He, he, won't, he won't bloody admit it, but that's what he said to me. And uh, sure enough, we got out there and uh, we got off to a flyer. We got the first goal, got the second goal on the board pretty quickly. And I was pretty much involved in the third one with a smother, which got the ball thrown in from the boundary line, then Fitzpatrick kicking the ball off the ground to Ashman to kick our third goal. And if you look at the start, and Parkin used to always remember this, initiation, we're 20-something points up, and I think we won the game by just about that amount. That was the difference. That was the difference. That, that was definitely the difference. That was the way to beat them. 
even though we are young, we still have to stop rains in those plays. So I went from kicking two goals, should have kicked three or four in the first quarter, to having to, be, oh, to go and tag rains for half a game. You didn't have any uh, reluctance in grabbing uh, Helen D'Amico's scarf either. We're on a roll then. No, nah, we were. Great. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had to get it off the ground. Yeah. Bruce was giving her a wide berth. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever seen Bruce Dooley come in the middle of the ground, ever. I couldn't work it out. Shitting himself. There's so much ground to cover, Wayne. I'll have to move forward to the 87 grand final. And there a great moment in the game, that opening minute where you alluded the field up by the fact that Hawthorne had uh, one men too many in the, into the centre square. How does someone have the presence of mind at the opening minute of a grand final to do that? Well, I, the thing was that uh, I knew I was going in and I knew that Swabby would follow me in eventually, but we just waited to see what was going on. We knew that Ayers would want to go in for Hawthorne. And um, Ayers, he walked in, you know, he's a back pocket player realistically, so it doesn't make him that smart. And uh, he was hanging around in the middle and... Uh, I've walked in, and then Swabby's obviously walked in with me, and Ayers hasn't gone out. And uh, I just said to Ian Robinson, who was the umpire, he was umpiring his fourth grand final, he'd never, he'd never held the ball in the air to, to start a grand final. And I said, Robbo, they've got, f- they've got five in the middle. And because I'd walked past Harry Madden, I was actually the closest to the ball. And he said, John, I'd piss off. He said, it's not my position, it's Rowan's. Rowan Sawyer's. So Rowan, they've got five in the middle. And he looks at me and goes, yes, they do. And so Robbo's had to give me the ball. Now, the idea of me was, on, on, on this particular game was, I was going to come, when they bounce the ball, instead of me going for the, the, the tap from Justin, I was going straight at the dipper to clean him up as he comes off the wing. So that, that went out the door. So I got the free kick and the ball went 60 metres in the air and 30 metres long and Kenny Hunter took a mark. But then 11 minutes went by and I'd, I was still the only player that had kicked two goals. I kicked two goals at the 11 minute mark and no one, no one else had kicked any goals. And then um, my opponent, Peter Swab, took the ball uh, deep in there, forward on, and missed his shot on goal. Peter then kicked the ball out deep to the wing where Dippy had a minute ago marked the ball, evaded about three of our players, and I actually caught him on about the 50 metre line at, uh, in the forward line with an elbow. And um, he went down, and it was quite funny. I said, Get up, mate, you look, mate, you look bad, just get up, but he couldn't. And then Robinson, the umpire, comes over and goes, John, I'm reporting hitting play, Dippy Domenico. I said, I said, piss off, Robbo. I said, this bloke's got more convictions than El Compone. And he's going, no, I'm not reporting you for that. I said, I'm reporting you for not letting me bounce the ball at the start of the game. <laughs> well, and on, and on goes the story, yeah. A good story. Oh, it goes, gets worse, that story, because you've got to understand I got reported then got suspended. The great Jack Gaffney was... Uh, it was his last hearing as a, ch- a chairman of the, match- of the uh, tribunal. He was a pram president. And also, um, I got picked to go. To, uh, I went over to London to do the um, the uh, battle of not the battle of not the battle of Britain, uh, just to, to help um, acknowledge the game over there. And the VFL let me play, so I played. And guess what? I'm the only player in the history of the game to be reported and suspended while currently under suspension. The only player in history. Is that so? Yeah, I got reported for in Clarkson, so I got another two weeks on top of the two weeks from the grand final. Um, 87, of course, um, uh, if memory serves, was the Polkingon incident in the second semi. Yes. Now, you know, the story always was that Polkingon broke the, the player's code. Uh, you know, fair comment? Were you upset? Didn't bother me. I didn't give a stuff, really. I mean, what they did, this, that, I had Brian O'Shaughnessy as my advocate. I just went for hours, and it was all... And first of all, I was, I think I was, 
called striking with the right hand. It was, it was actually with the left, so they swapped that over. They changed that around. And then, uh, then obviously, he laughed in there. And, and he, he did give me up in there. He's a Scotch college boy. And, uh, yeah, he gave me up in there, there's no doubt. But uh, the funny thing was, um, come to training on the Tuesday night, Parkin calls me over and says, Dom, we said, uh, we'll win it for you. And I said, piss off. I said, bullshit, just, you can't win it without me. And um, that, was, that was the truth. Fast forwarding, uh, you, you talked about the collision with, with Birdie, Dupier Domenico, but then in 89, you were on, on the wrong end of one with uh, Gary Abbott. <coughs> yeah. What, what actually happened there, Wayne? Oh, look, I, I, I wasn't having a good day and um, I thought to myself, Croc, you know, you know, deep in the third quarter, I'm uh, the Rhino. I was playing one of his first games, I think, I don't know whether it was his first or second game. And I was pretty clear and I thought, Ripper, I'll, I'll get out wide here and I'll get, get an easy one. Well, Ryan, I did what I did in the 87 grand final. Put one 60 metres in the air and 30 metres long. And all I could see was this bloke coming off the halfback flank was G. Ablett. And he's a mate of mine, G. Ablett. And I, I said, I'm not going to pull out. And we just collided. I didn't go down, actually. I didn't go down at all. It was just a big hit. Uh, it was a thunderous hit. It didn't, uh, it didn't hit my head or anything. It was just some shoulder, spleen, ruptured the lining of my spleen. I bled, lost a third of my blood. And uh, but I, I came, but I, I didn't go off the ground. I mean, I'm sorry, I went to the three quarter time huddle, went to the Ford Pocket Cop to spray off Walsey for still not, hope, not having a good day, and then spent a couple of nights in Geelong Hospital and a couple of months in hospital in Melbourne. You mentioned Robert Walls, so you know, we, we didn't get an opportunity to speak about Walsey, but you know, what was your take on Walsey? And do you agree? I mean, he's, he's obviously said in retrospect that he probably did lose the players, you know, by that time that they sacked him mid year. What was your take on well, that? Well, yeah, yeah, look, yeah, far for me to say because you don't know what's going on in people's personal life either. Uh, you, you don't know. And coaching's a tough gig. And, um, you know, I, 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 Morsi was a great coach to me. I, I rate him very, very highly. Yeah, he really helped me as a, as a coach. We, we get on we're better now than we do as a player-coach combination. Actually, he's talking about being on the television yesterday, I heard, so Foxtel, which, which is about the St Kilda game, which is quite a, memorable, a very memorable moment, actually. You uh, soldiered on through the season 1990. That was your final year. Yeah. How did you find out that it was all over? Oh, look, I, I played quite well in 90, but my body just wasn't um, coming up for each game. I, I, I kicked five goals against Collingwood in the night, in the night game early in the year, and I, my hip sort of went then, and then everything else started to go a bit too. I mean, like, remember I said to you earlier about all the needles and all the painkillers and all that stuff? That was still prevalent in my in my distance playing footy and it wasn't wasn't pleasant and you can't you just can't play footy on that and that's why when when I wrote the book I said you know, you've got to be careful with your kids and you, and the clubs have got to be careful with their players that uh, you, know, you, you can't put them on the track at all at all costs and and I, I was shot I was shot at the end of 90 I, I could have played probably every if I'd have played every third game I would have been happy and, and fit and healthy but when you've got to be shot up all the time it's not the way to not the way to go about your career Three final questions, Wayne. Um, you played at a time when Carlton was synonymous with success. Obviously, you still watch on, you know, with great love for the club, but what's your take on the Carlton of today and, and where it's heading? Oh, look, I try to remain positive because, once again, it's very it's easy just to tee off and make comment about, oh, well, we're on the bottom of the ladder again. Well, it really doesn't matter whether we're on the bottom of the ladder or whether we're second bottom, third bottom. It's, um, no one's lost. You, you can't lose a Doherty, a Murphy, a Gibbs... And any other a, a cruiser, and not I mean, they're three 
three bloody all Australians. Oh, sorry, four all Australians, basically. And uh, we, we've lost them at various times of this year. Obviously, Gibbs has gone to another club. And then to top it off, we have Kerno injuries. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's quite um, abominable. And if you have a look at GWS, everyone thought they'd be in the top two and they're struggling you know, like all death. But um, I, I think, look, we're in the third year of a, of a growth plan, no doubt. But to have those players out, it makes it bloody hard. And I think the game's becoming almost a game of bullies. I don't think 18-year-olds are capable now. I just don't think they're capable of playing this game. I even look at Cripps. Cripps is a gun. He's a jet. But have you seen him recently? 21 years old. He had a, his nose, blood pouring out of his nose late in the game. He's making big tackles. He's making big hits. He's getting lots of the ball. He's just a kid. He's got no one to help him. I, I, I sort of worry. I go, what if something happens to him now? Uh, we haven't got enough backup to support him in, in the senior ranks. Now, I don't know whether that's an injury thing, but that's just my view. Um, the view on the club, I wish they weren't on the bottom. I wish we could kick 100 points one day because I suppose the only genuine thing is, I know it might sound a bit different, but as a forward, if you're, if you're, got a, if you're in a team that's only kicking six or seven goals a game, you're not going to feel too comfortable as a forward, are you? You uh, were recently alluded to the fact that of, of the, every player of your generation at Carlton, you're the only man to have represented the club in all four premierships of that era, 79, 81, 82, 87. It was extraordinary. Yes. Um, what was the favourite? Of the four? I thought 82 because we weren't supposed to win. And they belted us in 80, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a semi-final. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, we, they, were, they were threes on. And it just said, they, they dropped the ball, I reckon, at the, at the match committee table. And I smelled a rat and I thought that was great. You know, let, let's, let's get in there while we can. Unfortunately for us, Jeff and, and Curly. Missed 81 and 82 through injuries. You wouldn't believe it, would you? Now, you've 60 years of age, so there's a lot of life left to be lived. But as, a, so. foot, as a footballer, Wayne, how, a Carlton player, one of the greats of the game, how would you best like to be remembered? I'd just like to be a player that was committed to this club, the Carlton Football Club. And I really was. And I think the, the players around me in the early years, and especially the committee guys, Lofts in that, they really made you want to be a Carlton player. And this is no disrespect to anything else, but Lofty and, and those blokes, they weren't interested in your playing state football. They weren't interested in your playing the, the Gaelic game or the hybrid game. They just, they just weren't. And they'd, they'd go hell, hell over, hand over fist to make sure you weren't going to go away because you were a Carlton player. You were a wanted Carlton player. And that's the way I wanted to be. And I want to be remembered as, as one of the great Carlton players. Not a bad way to win the interview, Wayne. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. It's been fabulous to talk to you. Thank you. All power to you and congratulations on your induction to the Australian Rules Hall of Fame. Thanks, mate. I enjoyed the night. Our History is a production of Carlton Media. The interview with Wayne Johnston was conducted by Carlton Football Club journalist and historian Tony DeBolfo. The songs Let It Roll and Probing Brief were used in this episode, thanks to Audio Network. 